0: hello everybody and welcome to the space jams podcast i'm your host jim murphy and today we're gonna be talking about things that we've invented in space or space technologies and with me to talk about this wonderful topic is my co-host will murphy will how you doing I am doing well. How yeah. are you? I'm good. I'm good. Didn't quite flesh out a title uh, for this one. Not, not really sure. It's uh, They're inventions, but they're also technologies and just uh, research that we've come up with in space that has affected our everyday lives. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bunch of semantics you can get into, but I'm, I think uh, I think inventions pretty much cover it. Yeah, nice. Research in space. Research. <laughs> well, wait, one thing to clarify that is, is it might not necessarily have taken place in space, correct? True. It's, well, the experiments. The, in space. the experiments. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's experiments literally in space and then technology for use in space, developed on honor. True, yes. And many of these things, you know, have come up and uh, we like to take a look at them and uh, see how they affect our everyday lives and possibly even the world. So it'll be very exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Will, of course, first, you know what we have to do. I, I do know. I think everyone knows what we have to do. Everyone with, with, a, with a good head on their shoulders knows that first you got to go through the abdominal happenings in our local heliosphere. Of course we do. Yes, of course. And the uh, first thing in our abdominal happenings is the Crew-1 launch, the SpaceX launch on November 14th. Now, uh exciting launch for me, um, as all crewed launches are. But it's the second crewed SpaceX launch um, of the year, but of ever. And it's uh, <laughs> going to be awesome. Uh, we have four astronauts going up. Three of them are NASA astronauts. And one of them is from the uh, Japanese aeronautics. Uh, it's called JAXA. Um, and they will all be going up together. And they will be joining uh, NASA astronaut Kate Rubens as well as the two cosmonauts that are up there. And for the first time ever, I believe there will be seven astronauts in the International Space Station working alongside each other. So that's the new thing, really. I mean, you know, SpaceX crewed launch with old hat, you know, been done. Yeah. (laughs) No one cares about that anymore. That's all. Why have there only ever been six people? And has it, is there is there more space like can they accommodate how many people can the space station accommodate do you know i do not know actually that's a good question but they've never had more than seven i'm sure in an emergency situation they could have wait (laughs) wait more than more than six correct was that yeah i'm sorry more than six okay so this now there will be seven okay yes yes yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not sure how many they can hold um but like i was saying emergency situation i'm sure they could hold probably we're speculating at this point but more than more than seven probably if they're sending up seven you know nasa always has a reason though you mean you know the whole international organization has contingencies for those sorts of things what um have there been any additions to the space station like physical additions in, in any recent period of time I think the last uh, addition to the International Space Station, the last permanent edition, was the Leonardo module in 2016. I could be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that's what it was. Um, oh, no. Was it 2011? I don't know. I believe it was 2011. Yeah. It, it, oh, wait. Okay. All right. So they added – so I wonder. I ju- yeah, I wonder figure out how many people can be on the space station i have no idea it's a great question we'll have to look that up for the next time um but where were were we (laughs) we're talking about the crew okay yeah crew going up very exciting uh that's going to be on november 14th and that's actually pushed back from its original um uh, launch date in the end of october uh due to some complications but Sorry for clearing my throat but the launch is going to happen November 14th and we are all very excited the astronauts had just arrived yesterday to the uh, launch site down in Cape Canaveral so it's uh, on its way and uh, we should all be tuning in for that one historic launch number two in the uh, new commercial space age yes how often do they send people like to and from the space station like when, what's a shift on the space station generally well, some people are there for like six months. Um, so what happened with Bob and Doug, Bob and Doug went up for about three months or two or three months. Uh, I believe Chris Cassidy just came back, but he was up there for about six months. And uh, Kate Rubens and the cosmonauts went up there a couple weeks ago um, from the, using the Suyez. Uh, so I believe it's like three, six a year kind of. Hmm three months, six months, a year, um, back Ooh. when they were doing maintenance on the ISS and they were building it, it was much shorter time periods. It was weeks and days and types of things like that. But yeah, now, it, now it's mostly getting them there and, uh, research. So they spend longer amounts of time up there. Okay, yeah. cool. Our next subject that we are discussing is that now that we've had this, um, change in uh, presidency, as we all know. We talked a lot about... Um, we talked about President's face a couple, uh, a couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago, and uh, the, of course the election has taken place and uh, President-elect um, Joe Biden will be taking office in February, if I understand how our political system works. <laughs> but uh, there is... So we talked about in our episode how he would be probably focusing on earth science more than prioritizing the moon, And that is, uh, from a a space.com article, that has been shown to be true. Uh, People believe that he will focus more on uh, Earth science and climate uh, climate science uh, rather than prioritizing the moon like the current administration. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. I think, obviously, I'd like to look at our Earth and protect it and try to fix it and do some good stuff there. But I was also very excited about exploring the moon. And if we're not going to prioritize the moon, that means we're not going to prioritize Mars. So it's, it's an interesting, some people would say, if you don't have the earth, then what's the point in prioritizing those other two. But also if the earth's gone, then we have the moon and Mars type deal. So, you know, I'm not thinking that far ahead, like we're going to die, but you Mm -hmm. know, I I was excited about the, the coming stuff. In my mind, I'm not really. I I I don't know if I favor either one. Really, it kind of just it appears to me like you're going to focus on one generally with all of your uh, effort, and either one you focus on, there there's a plenty to be discovered and learned. And so it's it's really just where you choose at what time to uh, direct your efforts, and if we step away from one for a time to look at the other i I don't think i think that's fine either way really yeah i think we we talked about in our episode about the president's space that a lot of goals in space take more than one president's term to accomplish and i think the problem with taking time on and taking time off to look at one or the other these things get muddled and they get lost and uh they might not always get done the way you want them to be done and so I'm a little worried that that could be the case. If we don't pick one, we can't be so divided in our space exploration as we are in our politics or else nothing will be done. Uh, I agree. I, I, I don't think it's a good strategy for like uh, long-term incredible success in either arena to keep switching back and forth. But I, I, I think I'm just thinking it's not like a huge loss either way to look at one and not the other. It's kind of just what's going to happen eventually, unless we consistently decide that one is deserves our attention round the clock. Yeah, yeah, and I think, as always, I take the middle ground where I think, why can't we do both? And a lot of we, a lot of the things we do when looking at Mars or the Moon is we try to discover things about Earth, um, and so that I think that is important um when we look at like the creation of these heavenly bodies and things and what went wrong or what happened not necessarily what went wrong but how did mars change so drastically because apparently it's you know it supposedly may have looked like earth a long Mm -hmm. long time ago and that would be that that could give us more valuable insight into you know what is happening to our earth in terms of climate change and things like that or you know are we going over the edge or or is this just a natural progression for our planet It's that's been slightly exaggerated or exacerbated by, you know, human beings or is this you know something that just happens so i think it's an interesting but i think I, i'm i'm with you though focusing on earth science specifically is also a good thing um and preserving what yeah, we have our blue dot i think it's uh I know there's a tendency, even I, I'm, as I say this, as though I'm aware of it, I, I tend to think of it this way, but I'm not sure it's true. Uh, there's a tendency to think of of it like a zero-sum game, you know, like we can only do this or this. Like if we're doing this, it, if we're looking at going to Mars, then we are automatically not doing all that we can to be looking at Earth and what we need to be accomplishing there. And I'm not sure that's true, but it kind of, it's it must be some kind of built-in, I don't know, uh, mechanism that anytime such a choice presents itself we we immediately evaluate that to be like well it's one or the other can't both i don't know why that is maybe maybe there's some logic to that that i'm not thinking of but i think the thing you know while you know doing my own research and things like that i've when it comes to the moon and mars one i'm i'm kind of okay with focusing on the earth like uh, the government focusing on the earth um, because I know Elon Musk is out there, and he 's kind of strange, and he will just continue to push towards Mars, and I think that 's awesome, but i 've done a lot of reading, and essentially, what I believe Elon Musk 's and Blue Origin, what they will eventually be even the United Launch Alliance will eventually be is transport systems from a mothership or a the planet um like in between those areas so exactly what SpaceX is doing right now transporting people to the international space station but we will have a bigger better one that that will take you other places so i believe that bigger better station or spaceship you know was coming from what we we're doing in this you know with the SLS and the larger um more you know interplanetary rockets we were working on interplanetary systems of transportation hmm. um, so i'm a little I, I, i'm wary but i think it'll be okay i guess we'll see i mean really we, we won't know until uh yeah, well yeah we'll just have to see yeah we'll have to see the last bit we have in our um hebdominal happenings in your local heliosphere is that jim bridenstein uh the nasa chief administrator said that he will be stepping down when um, president-elect Biden takes office in February. And he was, I believe, appointed by um, president Trump in 2018. Um, And he has, as does everything else today, been polarizing as he was uh, said to be against climate change, but then changed his mind. Um, But I believe that, you know, I think he did a good job. People have called him a project manager and that he didn't have a science background and maybe that's a problem. But also I think when it comes to NASA, you might not need the head guy to be a science guy. You might just need him to be a project manager, someone who can make sure that all the things that NASA's trying to do get done. Yeah. Maybe I could be wrong, but, uh, I feel like the, this idea that man, like if you can manage a team of, of, or an organization, it, it, it's, it's really, that's a skill that translates to more than one profession or more than one goal, right? It doesn't, you don't have to have a science background to manage a team of scientists. I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but uh, it seems not outlandish to me to think that you just need to be a good leader. Yeah. So I don't know, but that will be a new one. And as we will, we will have to see personally, cool. I, I hope it's Bill Belichick. I mean, I mean <laughs> that man knows how to lead. He knows how to get wins. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. knows how to bring us home, you know, big old championship. Seeing Bill walking around on Mars would be hype. Uh, Bill. Know, maybe Brady and Gronk will be, you know, yeah, they'll yeah. be the next crew. Well, they'll tag along once he hit the moon because then they'll know yeah. that, that's like the playoffs, you know, playoffs start and we're going to hit Mars. Then we'll just get rally a bunch of. People from you know everywhere, from <laughs> Tampa and New England, to to you know donate to NASA. It'll be awesome. Um, I w- I was gonna say I I don't know much about Jim. Is it Brightenstein? Is that his name? Yes. Um, my only exposure to him was during the the Crew Dragon launch, and I like when he talked afterward. And if I remember, I just I enjoyed his uh, I enjoyed hearing him talk about. The, the mission and, and what it what he thought it meant and so i don't know i, I had positive positive vibes from him in terms yeah. of being nasa's chief administrator yeah and i think when it comes to a nasa administrator i mean i don't i don't necessarily love him i don't know enough about him to love him yeah but exactly it's just like i think he did his job it's not like i didn't hear anything, nothing bad happened at nasa while he was there <laughs> i mean we got you know spacex is going up and running and you could attribute that to the man before him but seems to be going okay to me yeah uh, um all right will it's time oh yeah time for the good stuff so i think we should get into a little bit of history uh old age question back from the apollo days and the saturn V missions will why are we going to the moon what is the point if we have people here that are starving People here that are in poverty. Why are we going to the moon? And these these were the kind of questions that were asked by a um, group of African American uh, marchers who were uh, uh, many families, like 25 families, um, led by a man as part of a Southern um, Baptist church, and they were asking them, "Why is the U.S. government putting all this money into going to the moon?" when we're in poverty, and when we're starving. And these were, you know, good questions, obviously, I think even today, I think they're good questions. Why are we doing these things that we are doing? Um, and I think that the, you know, we, these, are, these are questions that are hard for even us to answer, and we have a passion for these types of things. Uh, but the NASA administrator at the time, Thomas O'Brien, I believe his name was, he said, if we could not push the button to send that rocket to the moon and we could solve the issues of poverty and, and um, you know, starvation, uh, that we would, but we, we simply can't do it. He said that the, the problem of poverty is like so much larger, it would take so much more you know, manpower than to go to the moon. And it, it made going to the moon look like child's play. And I think that he was right, and he also might have been trying to play down this man's uh, – he doesn't want to have a scene at the uh, the Apollo launch, uh, the Saturn V launch. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, have this all going on. But I think he also, you know, makes a point. But I think also some great technologies have come out of uh, going to the moon and the NASA program – and I think those things, uh, you know, we should flesh some of those out today. And that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea because, like, obviously, that's a that's a completely – not only is it kind of the first thing that comes to people's mind, or I think it, it's the first thing that comes to people's minds, that question, um, because it's such a good question. And his answer is one that I haven't really heard before. I don't know anything about him uh, in general, but that answer, I've, I've never heard that really uh or quite so succinctly but i think the idea is also one that i haven't heard of like thought of just that like (laughs) it might be easier to go to the moon than to end poverty and feed all the hungry people there are in the world you know like when you think of it that way it's not a good thing but it is kind of like a at least an explanation of like this is um It's not frivolous that that's not not to say that like, Oh, well, it's just something we, you know, a lesser goal. That's not really important, but we can, you know, Rather than spend million dollars trying to end poverty, we can spend a $1,000 on, you know, vacation, right. That's not that's not what he's saying, I think, but uh, Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to think going to the moon might actually be easier than solving these problems on Earth. And yeah, it's not, and I'm not. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, or if he was just pleading with this man not to make a scene. But <laughs> it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a fair, it's a fair questioning, fair line of questioning. And I actually believe it was easier to go to the moon than to end poverty because it's, it's never happened. Yeah, poverty, yeah. You know, no one's ever done that. No country has ever not had some type of, you know, issue with food or you know distribution of wealth you know that that just it's not common there's always people that have these problems uh and because we always have more people you know right when you have enough food to feed the people you're trying to feed it's been five years later and there's you know two times as many people as there were before and so you still haven't you still have the same problem Mm -hmm. and like i think you know all this goes back, you can take this all the way back to the agricultural revolution. Like we were hunters and gatherers and you had as many people as you could walk around with. And when you couldn't walk around anymore, you laid down and died. (laughs) Uh, Now what we did was we domesticated some animals and we domesticated some, you know, uh, you know, crops, crops and things. Mm -hmm. And we decided, okay, we're going to sit here. And just as the agricultural revolution Allowed us to sit here. It also allowed us to get to the moon. If you think about it, I mean, if we have people farming food and hunting food for you, so that you know, Warner von Braun doesn't have to hunt for himself and he can go work on how rockets work. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that I think like that's a long, that's a stretch, but you know, at the at the most basic level, that's exactly. I mean, specialization that somebody's covered all the, the basic essential f- food needs for enough people to focus on different things. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's hyperbole, but it's, it gets us where we need to be. I think uh, the easiest way for me to, to think about it is just like all it takes to get to the, all it takes to get to the moon. Well, all it takes to get to the moon is, well, you put the money in, you you do the testing, you design the rocket, and then you go, and that, that's done, right? That that's a one time once you do it, it is done, it can't be undone, basically. But to end poverty and to, to feed the hungry is an ongoing problem that if you put in this, if you put in all the money that we took to go to the moon, right, to do it to fixing that problem, I'm not sure how long it would fix it, but it certainly wouldn't we wouldn't have ended that problem until today. It would have like people would still be hungry today and would still be suffering today, because that's an ongoing issue. As long as we're alive, that will be an issue, as far as I can tell. Or it will be, there's potential for that to be an issue, right? Whereas going to the moon, it's a one-time cost, right? And then you've developed that, and you've, you've achieved that. And so in that way, it's a simpler thing to do, essentially. Yeah, I think, and also the same way that people are the answer, people are the problem. Uh, There's just a lot of people and we, you know, we, uh, you know, there's, there's not always food to go around. There's, you know, it's difficult to do these things. You know, we're talking about the most basic level of survival, like eating, like food nourishment. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's a world issue that, you know, we have to try to take care of. Fortunately, we have a place, the international space station where we are working on said thing we are we are doing things in the international space station this is our first topic by the way of things we've we are doing in space that affect the world seamless 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 i am so good at that <laughs> but the first thing we we're we we're you know we we're doing our research the first thing we brought up is you know astrobotany which i have been waiting to talk about my whole life uh yeah. because of my love for the martian um <laughs> but the the plant growing and the research they do with that plant growing in the international space station has led to some incredible achievements uh when it comes to preserving um you know crops and things but also making more out of less volume and you know miniaturization that's what nasa does i mean nasa created mm-hmm. miniaturization um whether it's you know the cell phone that you're definitely listening to this on does that make sense yes yeah or the camera that's in your phone both came from nasa research um and it's you know it, it's a, this thing connects you to the world and it's you know smaller than your hand uh and what they're doing in space you know they're making plants that can grow with a you know larger mass in a smaller volume or a larger you know they have a more uh, more Caloric, how do you say it? Will caloric, caloric density, caloric density in a smaller volume, and so uh, you know when it comes to you know the amount of you know population on Earth, do you think about population? and Do we have enough land to keep these population? Well, if you can grow the same amount of food in a smaller area, then that's huge because there's more places to put these people. So that's like just like one of the things. Specifically, what they do, will um, tell me if I'm wrong, but they. They created this this what they now call the aeroside, side, which is what the uh, company that kind of made it into uh, something that could be used, like a commercial uh, product. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, but they send air. They like send the air that would be you know funneled into a system that would be providing air to crops and things like that. And it it, fil- it filters the air through a titanium oxide tube. And then that titanium oxide tube is hit with ultraviolet light, and that turns that ethylene, which is what would be there anyway, into a byproduct of oxygen and carbon dioxide, which is good for plants. And So, so it's- this is talking specifically about, about crop storage, correct, or produce storage, essentially? Yeah, produce storage, yes. Well, in the beginning, yes, but... So they took this and essentially what this did is it didn't allow for the fruit to ripen as quickly. And you might think, well, I, you know, I want my bananas to ripen quickly. Well, a lot of the time you're, you know, you eat two bananas and then the rest of them you throw away and don't tell me you don't because <laughs> that happens. <laughs> but so what they've done is they allow for food to be stored and preserved longer uh, using this. And this has been essentially marketed around the world and used in uh, like third world countries and things to provide food uh, to people in, in places that don't have access to these, to these types of produce and these crops and things. And they like use this apparatus to filter the air in trucks that would take these things places. And it makes them last longer. Well, to, to, j- just to back up for a second, I All think right. All it, it deserves, <laughs> deserves <laughs> clarification. Like, um, so NASA developed this this technology this apparatus um, for storage of like plant-based fresh foods on long duration space travel or or just for I, I assume for being in the space station for example and so the why it's necessary is because like you said this the produce and things tend to ripen and so the end stage of ripening is spoiling essentially and that's caused or accelerated by, I believe you mentioned it, ethylene in the air. And so if you've ever, if you've ever taken like an apple or a banana, or I, I guess you take an apple and you put it in like a brown paper bag with a banana because the banana's not ripe yet, and the banana ripens up quickly, that's because a ripening fruit like an apple will give off more ethylene, which causes the banana to ripen. And it's kind of like a, like a uh, domino effect that kind of creates more and more ethylene and more and more like quickly ripening. And so you don't want food that you're trying to store for a long time to undergo that process and spoil. And so you have to purify the air of the ethylene. And that's what the the process that you described is is ridding the atmosphere of that compound, leaving the fruit fresher for longer, I believe is the idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about preservation. How do we make this last longer? Mm -hmm you know, that, that's what they're all about. And this has also been used in like doctor's clinics and operating rooms and things like that to purify the air by eliminating you know, viruses and uh, mildew and mold and things like that. Um, and so it's being used, you know, all over the world to, you know, either, you know, keep the air, you know, filtrate the air, but also to to keep the produce fresh and everything, but it's being used for the the population of the world. So uh, this is like a, you know a great example of something that NASA has done for space exploration that has positively affected the entire world. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is like you said, like this is developed for possibly um, years, year like you know long duration space travel to other planets, whereas. That's obviously not happening right now, but it is actively being used in in hospitals and trucks for, for, maybe you mentioned that already, but like trucks for transporting food, like in basically everywhere on Earth it's being used for that, right? And who knows how much food has been able to, like food, not all food can be grown everywhere. And so you, you can move it safely and provide food now yeah, quite aptly Addressing the problem of hunger by, by, as a byproduct of going to space. It's kind of, it's kind of poetic. You tell um, me how I'm eating avocados in Pennsylvania. You tell me how that's, <laughs> yeah. Going yeah, that's, it's probably got exactly like, that's, that's probably exactly what's happening yeah. at some point along the line. Um, this also come, you know, it goes back to the 1960s, which is why are we going to the moon? And I think you know, while it doesn't answer exactly why are we going to the moon, it does answer, it does answer the question of how it can help to look farther away and to aim higher. And that will help us, you know, improve the lives of people on the planet. Yes. Yeah, so this is something that comes up every time we talk about this or everyone, every time anyone talks, anyone who's on the side of exploration in service of these more, uh, grounded goal, literally grounded goals, right, um, brings that point up. And it came up when we were talking to um, Colonel T.J. Creamer, and something that I thought of and that occurred to me when we were talking to him that I tried my best to articulate and maybe failed to do so um, was the idea, like, if we recognize these problems that we have on earth and we recognize our ability to solve these problems in, in some measure as we have, like through the, this air filtration system. Why don't we just solve them as they are? Like, why don't we just identify we need clean water, so let's purify water, and let, let's just make that our goal and do that, rather than let's try and get to Mars and happen upon solutions to problems. Like, why do we need this? Why do we need a new a, a new reason for to have a sense of urgency? Why does Mars provide that where Problems on Earth as they exist now. they Why don't they provide that motivation? That's kind of always. I'm, it's not that I'm arguing against going to Mars. It's just it, it occurs to me that it's a it's a good question to wonder why can't we motivate ourselves without these higher goals? I don't know. That might be more of a philosophical question. But I think that <laughs> I think that you know there's. I don't know exactly who it was, and I'm not exactly sure if I, I'm paraphrasing this quote, of course, but. The answer to your question, I think, is if you want to, you know, if you want to build a boat, you know, don't grab a bunch of people and tell them to go get some wood and tell them what to do. And, and then that we're going to build a boat. You tell them about what is out there and what they're missing. And you tell them the mysteries of the world and that there's, you know, other things out there and that they'll be intrigued by just their human nature. And I think that's how it's done. Uh, And I think that's kind of, you know, creamer, And uh, Thomas David Jones have both said that, you know, exploration is a good enough reason to go somewhere. And I think that's hard for people who are in poverty, who are starving, you know, that might not be a good enough explanation to them. But I think for humanity, you know, as a whole, I think it is, you know, exploration is important. We've gone, you know, we've gone to great lengths to, to explore our world and outside of our world. And it's just due to intrigue i I actually yeah I remember that that exact line or that 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 moment in the interview with thomas david Jones um where like exploration in and of itself is a is a perfectly valid reason for human exploration. I think that's what he said, something along those lines, and that's like what a cool idea that that it's it's it sounds frivolous, but yeah. I don't think it is and I think. There's other examples in which people may not always agree. Um, you know, we talked to two astronauts, but I've, you know, done a little bit of research on uh, Mae Jameson, astronaut Mae Jameson. And she was, you know, the first um, African-American astronaut, female astronaut to go into space. Um, and she did that aboard the shuttle. But she went on her shuttle mission. And afterward, she was done she no longer she like resigned from being an astronaut and she went back to do uh, work Uh, she was a physician she went back to do work in Africa because she believed that that was a place where she could better help the world I suppose so you know even astronauts like some astronauts believe that you know there's work to be done in other places and of course there is but it's an interesting viewpoint to have yeah yeah I didn't know that I, I I had heard of her before, but I didn't know that that's yeah she's a very cool person. I like her stance on things she's she's very very interesting yeah that's uh it's one thing to just say as being you or me or equivalent to you or me and just have the the opinion that exploration is not as important, but it's another to be an astronaut to have gone to space and to hold that view all the same. I'd be interested to hear more about that. Yeah, and I'm not sure if she thought exploration wasn't important, but I think she yeah, believed yeah, yeah. that her services were mm-hmm. more important in other places. There were higher causes for her. Higher team, causes, yes, purposes. indeed. But, Will, you touched upon um, water filtration. Indeed, indeed I did. And water filtration is another one of those things that NASA has mm, invented or built upon that hasn't invented. No, improved, improved. Um, That has also benefited the people around the world. I won't say the entire world, but I'll say people around the world. Um, And the big thing with this is, well, you know, you think about the other side of the coin when it comes to food is water. Um, But their water filtration system has been used throughout the world in uh, developing countries and things like that because there's a lot of places where there is water but there's no water that is what is it unpolluted not there's no drinkable water. water yes exactly and this these water filtration systems are being distributed to help people in difficult situations get clean water and it's an incredible thing and they used it to I believe they use it to be able to reuse water uh, in the station. Um, and that is how they've come up with this mechanism. Um, but it's been, you know, all over the world, it's, it's helped. Yeah, I, I believe, um, what was it? Uh, I, think, I think Colonel Creamer, the way he put it, his, his little euphemism was to turn yesterday's coffee into today's coffee. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that was that was funny, but true. <laughs> um, that's that's literally what's happening. There's no no bones about it. Um, you have to recycle wastewater from your your inhabitants. Yeah, and see, I think that's one of the things where it's not like we don't have clean water. You know, that, that's not the problem here. You know, the, like, that's not what they were trying to solve. That the, 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 they were trying to solve is how can we reuse this water? Mm-hmm. I think that was the, you know, Thomas David Jones said, you know, I said, how do you inspire people to be interested in space exploration? He said, give them hard questions to answer. And then the people who, you know, take challenges personally, take things <laughs> personally, will be like, well, I'll tell you how. And they'll do a bunch of research, get master's degrees and doctorates, and then they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll figure it out just because. obviously you know i exaggerate on this show but i mean that's you know that's what thomas david jones believes and i think i think he's right people want to solve problems and especially if i can you know solve it and then land on mars that's pretty sweet yeah yeah so while those two meaningless things that nasa has done we'll get to the more important ones um you know one of the most important things that NASA's helped create is uh artificial limbs and uh, wireless headsets Artificial limbs really yes, actually they did Explain. they were looking, They were looking for things that would help with um, uh, shock absorption if I believe if i 'm correct like materials or structures or both. Uh I believe it was with vehicles. Huh. Yes, but they were looking for that and then that technology, that absorption, has been used in uh, the development of artificial limbs and things like that. So I assume I assume that's well that implies to me that it's like a structural, like like a um like a component for joints, for example, to yeah. aid people in walking yeah and along that line also memory foam was another thing created by the uh in the apollo era to try to protect astronauts like in the um you know in the capsule and everything and you're probably sleeping on memory foam or you have a pillow that's memory foam then you didn't even know uh the mouse the computer mouse the computer itself the portable computer these are all things that nasa has come up with that you know you use in your everyday life i don't know about the mouse anymore i mean i I use a laptop but still people use the mouse and i'm using a laptop as we speak uh tj kramer discussed the adjustable smoke detector uh the you know smoke detectors weren't even a thing until after the apollo era freeze-dried food uh we talked about wireless headsets um there's an interesting one the jaws of life i don't know if you know what that is will yeah it's like if you if you're in a car accident the, the fireman will pry open the door if it's been Yeah. Yeah, so that was yeah, that was an invention from NASA. Um as really? well as um uh baby formula. GPS. With well, GPS is a little more uh obvious I think. GPS, yeah, there's really no way around uh satellites and GPS. Yeah, but GPS but, I mean use GPS every day of your life. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. I mean the, your car, the number of systems that depend on GPS today. Yeah, probably, all these things. I mean, have been looked into by NASA. Yeah. Well, well okay. You mentioned you mentioned a few things there that, that need explanation. Baby formula. Why does NASA need to develop baby formula? I think you know. Um, like specifically baby formula, or or like like the the. Well, they were looking up. They were doing research into al. I believe it was algae. They were doing research into algae, um, and it was like just for like, enriching ingredients. They were like high caloric, like high fat density, um, with like low volume. You know, classic mm-hmm. miniarization uh, for long duration space travel. Okay. So okay. All right. So kind of. Well, that's similar to what we were talking about a while ago, but yeah. So, like, like, uh, uh, rations, basically. Yeah, rations, essentially. It's taking something, taking a lot of something and putting in a little bit of something. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, what, is, what does algae have to do with baby food, though? Or, sorry, baby formula. I have no idea. Uh, they were I trying to, I believe, I don't know if it has anything to do with it anymore, but they were, they were using algae as a, Base, and I'm I'm not sure how it factors in, but that's 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 what they were using before. Yeah, I think there was another you mentioned that I was wondering about, but (laughs) the idea is, I think if there's any takeaway, like there's so many things that you never expect them to have it to have NASA or any space program have their hands in, and suddenly. I, for some reason, I don't know why. I guess it's some kind of uh, um, competitive or and like you know antagonizing nature. It's just like I imagine the person who says NASA, you know, they don't deserve any funding at all. It's, it's a waste of money to, to put it in NASA than have them sitting on their memory phone bed on on their laptop um, using, using the their internet, or mouse, and they're smoking baby formula. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> I yeah. get that image of the. Yeah. The opposition from the, yeah, you know, yeah, with their clean water benefactor, yes, <laughs> it's just. And let's not, just say he lost a leg and he has an artificial limb. You know, I, I, it's a lot of stuff that, that they've had their, you well, know, are the soul creators. Yeah, the soul is a part of, of. And I think that is why, that is why I am all. I'm all for the, you know, there's so much science, you know, while SpaceX and all these other companies, they're more like, you know, transportation system, but the real scientific research being done is being done by NASA. It's being done by these companies like uh, Blue Origin will send things up on their New Shepard. They'll send things up into microgravity for seconds. They'll send research and things like experiments up to see how they – fair and microgravity Mm -hmm. and that is you know they are a vessel for that research you know to do what it has to do and i think they are important but the research that is done in space is just as important yeah yeah i think um when i come back to the question i posed earlier just like why why not just study these things and solve these problems in isolation uh i don't know it feels like it's entirely, po- I know I work like this. I don't get, there's not a lot that I get done just because I can, you know, or or because, you know, it, it's, it's easier to solve a problem in service of a larger goal than to just figure something out, you know, and I think uh, it's motivation and, and inspiration is no small, no small um, tool in the the. Human toolbox, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's a powerful thing to have people motivated, and inspired. Wow, Will you Murphy, said- Will Murphy, <laughs> the host I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Will Murphy the co-host. I'm gonna let him end it on that. <laughs> that was that was that was wonderful. The toolbox, the human toolbox, or whatever he said, was fabulous, fabulous. Mm. But Will, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, thanks you for having me again. Of course, you're always welcome and most of the time invited. <laughs> but everybody, thanks for listening in. Uh, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your cat about our uh, little podcast we have going here. Tell them that the memory foam little thing you bought them is from NASA and maybe they'll appreciate it more. Uh, tell your family members. Tell everyone you possibly can uh, because we have things to say and they need to hear them. Um, but also feel free to donate to uh, space jams through our anchor through. uh, We'd love to take a dollar from you a month because I want a dollar and it'd be fantastic. Uh, But everybody, thanks for listening. And always remember to keep looking up.